Hey guys, Jake the Podcast Guy here, and welcome to Sunday Night Teacher Talk on Teacher Class Off Radio, where CJ Reynolds answers your questions live and in real time. You can participate in the show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Real Rapper Reynolds YouTube channel. If you missed the live show, don't worry. Each episode is uploaded the following Monday to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join our Facebook group to communicate with other educators from around the world. Now, on to the episode. Welcome, everyone. Let's fix that a little bit. Um, hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sunday afternoon, um, so why not have a show called Sunday Night Teacher Talk? Uh, I hope people find us today, as, as many of you have already, because it is, uh, for some of us, I know Arizona's not into this, but we uh, we have daylight savings time, which means it is technically, if this was yesterday, it would be 11 o'clock in the afternoon, but now it's magically 12 and uh, no one's really sure why we still do this, but we, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's Here in America, o'clock. what? It's 1 o'clock. Yesterday it would have been 12. Oh, it would have been 12. That's right. Which I'm looking at that clock and seeing that's see still 12 o'clock. Uh, but look, when we live in a country where we still pull a groundhog out of the hole every year and to see if there's six more weeks of winter, I mean, can we be surprised? Um, so this is... Uh, we are at an interesting point in the in the school year, I think, where it is it's more than halfway through, um, but it doesn't always feel like it because it is cold outside here in the northeast, and I mean basically anywhere unless you're like deep south. It is freezing cold. It's twelve degrees here in Philadelphia today, right now, um, or the last time I checked, and it can just feel like the endless winter um and and like the end is not coming so i've been thinking about this a lot and trying to think about what are ways i can do to sort of like break that up um and two i just want to say publicly one my man john lopez i know you're on here somewhere uh financed the night out for us the other night which was really lovely and i'm sure he didn't do that so i would publicly recognize him but i'm going to publicly recognize him anyway because he um he sent my wife and I out for dinner the other night, and that was really great. And then, and we even brought our daughter because my son went out somewhere. Usually, the two of them stay home together. Brody was going out somewhere, so we just hit up Mar, and we were like, "Do you want to come with us?" And and so she did, um, with a frog hat on. And then she's so wonderful. Uh, we it, it was like, and then I made a point this week to like touch base with a bunch of like old friends to see if anyone can get together this week and just like have coffee or grab a drink or or hit up a diner or something. Um, but just that time together. So it's really this week is about, you know, what we're going to do after the show today is like, um, we're instituting a time on Sundays where we kind of plan out the week, talk about the week, what are expectations for the week? What do we want to get done in the week? What do we not want to get done in the week? Um, how do we want to allocate our time, things of that nature. So yeah, I will, I will let you know how that, that goes, but that's kind of where we're at. So look, if you're new here, this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk. My name is CJ Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel. I run, uh, and today we're streaming on Twitter also. I didn't even tell you that one. Um, so this is uh, this is our effort at creating a safe space for teachers to explore and express who they are, how they think, and how they feel. And to, f- and to like really create a space where you are trying to move into becoming the teacher you feel called to be or that you always wanted to be. And so this isn't just the me show. Um, even though my name is on it, this is with the out there with the hopes that it is um, it is like that the folks in the comments not in hopes like it, it already happens like people in the comment section are answering questions so like 
dive in, ask a question, answer a question, help somebody out. Um, and that's it. All right, you let's, ready? Yeah, let's yeah. get into it. <clears throat> our next, our first question comes from Jacob. He's um, asking, my freshmen are reading a novel one, uh, first chapter, at, one chapter at a time. Yeah. I have the PDF online for anyone absent. The problem is when they miss, they won't read and and they're lost when they return. Any advice? So that is tricky. Um, Jacob, I think it it's going to depend on like who you're teaching, right? So like, what are the expectations with the parents, with the school, with the other, what are the other, how are the teachers sort of like navigating this space? Um, Cause I find that when we try to do something new our, ourselves, that hurts. So sometimes the answer is just as clear as touching base with the other English teachers at your school and seeing what are they doing and how are they navigating this kind of problem? Cause it's gotta be happening for other people. Or if it happened last year, so how did the eighth grade teacher maybe handle this if she had uh, a number of these students? If that doesn't work, I mean, you could spend time like sending parent emails home, but that becomes really like it's it's a lot of labor for not a lot of like return. So a lot of times, right? I'm not saying parents don't answer, but I'm just saying that um, and they don't address it. I just don't know that that changes student behavior all the time. So in lieu of that, I would, uh, you know, look, it kind of depends where you want to go. It's, I think it's breaking down to kids and, and explaining to them why we have to read at home or why we're doing what we're doing and really, really getting clear on that. The second thing is being really sure that like you're over communicating with kids as to what the expectations are. And then I think the, the flip side of that is I've done everything from give a quiz the next day. So I used to do one question quiz. And this is uh, something I got. I forget who I got this from. It's one question. It might have been my friend Jen List. I think might have come up with this. But uh, one question quiz. You ask a question that's not super detailed. Don't, don't ask like what the color of someone's hair was or like how many chicken nuggets they had on a plate. It's like something they would know if they read it, right? Because different kids read stuff and they pick up different things or notice different things. It's like, like, uh, what did Lenny have in his pocket as George and Lenny were walking down the, sh- the road in the first chapter of, of Mice and Men, right? He had a dead mouse in his pocket that he was touching. Um, that's something anyone would pick up on. So then you give the kids choice. It is if you do, it's one question, it's either pass or fail, um, and it's uh, out, out of only four points. That's it, just a four-point quiz. If you get it right, you get all four points. If you get it wrong, you get a zero. There's no partial credit here. If you did not read and you just are going to own it, take loss like a boss, you can put a one, right? So I'll give you one point, but that's a 25%, which is like significantly higher than zero. But what is really happening is that when you put into the grade book, you are keeping a log of who's reading and who's not reading. And then it's communicating with parents like, hey, if you want to know if your kid read or not, they kind of outed themselves and said that they weren't reading. You can see that by the number of ones that are on the quiz. So that's a way to, I think the other thing I would do is potentially use like a, a week reflection, um, something that you're doing weekly. And my new idea, and I have not implemented this yet because things have just been chaotic, is uh, having kids fill out a, some sort of Google form that they then have to share with you and a parent. Um and that's done every Friday. So then you're over communicating on the parental side as well and making sure that like kids have to own 
their behavior, right? They can't just do it and it's going to like go unnoticed and be sneaky. It's you have to own it and then you have to put yourself on blast every week if something's not happening. And then we can figure out next steps there. So are you struggling? Do you have time management issues? Like what is it that you're having a problem with? But it is being clearly communicated to all parties uh, and and recorded uh, sort of that behavior. And then we can move past that. So I, that's that would be my advice on the front end. All right. Our next question is coming from Kim. She's asking, I'll be applying for my first teaching job soon. What are good questions to ask during interviews to figure out if a school will be a good match for me? So that's a great question, Kim, because I think what we need to remember is that we are also um, we're interviewing schools as much as schools are interviewing us. So it can be this tendency, especially amongst teachers that teach like um, like an elective. So if you teach music or art, I feel like, you know, those jobs are not as readily available. Most schools have like a teacher for each one of those subjects. Um, and even English and history, I mean, look, we're, I always say like, we're a dime a dozen English teachers. There's a gazillion of us out there as opposed to like, you know, special education teachers or math teachers or something like that. Those are a little bit more few and far between science teachers. So how do we know if a school is a good fit for us? I think one, it's doing your due diligence on the front end. It's looking them up. It's looking up websites and reviews and articles and just kind of getting a sense of like, is this a place that has gotten good press? Is it a place that looks that look websites are going to lie to you all day long. I mean, um, they are, they're going to like, I always, I laughed when we were looking for schools for our kids and my wife was like, you have to see this video that the school put out. This school's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, you know how my school's running. Um, let me show you the video on our website. <laughs> and it looks incredible. It looks like the greatest place on earth. And so um, those things can be deceiving, but it's good. Like, so do, but do your research. Like maybe it's not just deceiving. Maybe it's the, like, it's the truth. I think the other thing is asking like, um, what are the other requirements of educators in the building? Like, are you expected to do like a lot of coverages for teachers that are out? Are you expected to do like, do you have like different duties that you have to do? So like, um, and I teach ninth grade. So of course I just said duties and in my head, I, I giggled. Um, you are like, do you have to do bus duty? Do you have to do lunch duty? Like what are the, what are the asks on your time? Um, do you have to do lesson plans? Do you have to do unit plans? Or some of that stuff already broken out for you? What are the so like for me going into a school? It's like, do I have autonomy? What are the asks going to be on my time? What are the um, like? How much are we? I forget what the term is. Someone will someone will know if I say it. Uh, like when there is a certain amount of growth students are supposed to have. What are the expectations on students? What are the expectations on, on you know, like what? And, and so that's that's part of it. I think the other thing is how else do I fit in? So um, most teachers don't want to just teach. They want to like coach something, lead something, have a workshop, connect with students in some way, shape or form. So it's like, what are other opportunities within the school that you can take your specific skills, traits and abilities and tie those into what you're doing at school? So and then, you know, so if a school if has a organic farm that, and you love organic farming and you're like, oh, hell yeah, like I know how to tend bees and like, let me let's start beekeeping. And they're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, let's do it. It's like, are, do you have any say also to, to kind of like um, bring some of your magic into into that moment? And so th that's 
what I would do. Look, last thing I will say, and this is, doesn't wasn't what you asked, but um, I would recommend. Um, I find handwritten notes are the best, right? And so I have I have a handwritten note right next to me that John Lopez wrote to me, um, and so I think he would agree with this. Handwritten notes are everything. So when you're going to a job, just fill out a card ahead of time. Um, hey, thanks so much. Blah blah blah. Like I really look forward to this. Was really great. Whatever it is handwrite that and find the closest mailbox to the school drop that thing in so that like in two days or a day they're going to get that letter and and it's going to you're going to be top of mind um i also find someone gave me this idea one time of calling the school right after it closes and leaving a voicemail message so that the next day when they listen to voicemails there you are right away at top of mind so you're not an email that's going to get lost in the sauce you're not um a call in the middle of the day it is a voicemail. You don't have to talk to anyone. You just send, you know, your appreciation that way. And I think that that works really well, too. All right. Our next question comes from Kara, and it's kind of in the same vein. She says, any advice on finding out a school district's culture and philosophy to see if it aligns with yours while searching for a first year, first ever teaching position? Some schools, <clears throat> excuse me, haven't updated their website. Yeah, our school... Man, I'd really, really interested to go on there. I don't think that even they changed the principal no, I think it and stuff. Exactly the same. Like the principal is like three <laughs> principals ago. Uh, so you know, I am really. I think you could use what I just said. Absolutely. I'm really big on intuition. I think it is everyone's sixth sense. I think that you know, um, especially after becoming parents. Um, I noticed that like my wife's sixth sense is next level. Like if she knows that like what we should be feeding a baby, not feeding a baby, what the baby needs, what the cat needs, what the dog needs, what the neighbors are doing. Like she has a really good intuition as to what should happen. And even like much to my chagrin, um, it is even sometimes to do with me. So when I had a really hard day on Thursday and I had to run to Walmart real quick, which is my least favorite place to go almost in the world besides the dentist. Um, she's like, oh, Marley, you should go with dad. And I thought, I don't know. I need time by myself. And then I went out with Marley and Marley like is, um, she's, she's magical. She was just what you needed. Yeah. She was just what I needed. Like even when she was a baby, if I had a hard day at school, um, I would go into Marley's room when she was sleeping at night and just lay next to her crib or sit next to her crib. Cause it just made me feel better. Right. My wife has that intuition and she knew what I needed. I think going into school's and getting a feel for like, what do the hallways feel like? What do you see on the walls? What do you not see on the walls? What do you, what's missing in a classroom? How are the teachers, like, don't just look at the teachers you're meeting because they're going to have you meet with certain types of teachers, certain types of kids. It's looking past that and seeing like, does someone look like they're in a good mood? Do you see people shaking hands and smiling and enjoying themselves? Do you see like, what is the, um, can you see yourself being there? And I can tell you that, I've only ever worked at two schools. Both of those schools, I walked in and I knew immediately this is where I need to be. This is the best. Um, now, that didn't always stay that way. Things change, but that initial thing, yeah. I was going to ask in that. So do you think that you can only get a glimpse of a district's um, or a school's culture and uh, philosophy by actually interviewing? Like you have to go on the interview to get those like there's no other way to to get that without interviewing at this school. I think going to the school. I don't think it has all that much to do with the. But how do you get into a school? Look at our district. Like they don't let you get into a school. Like you can't. Go. Yeah. So I think that the interview would have to take place, right? Yeah. But like I know, 
when I went to... I think that and word of mouth are the only two ways that like, yeah. you really get a sense of the climate and culture within a school besides working there. Yeah, and so look, but I but we know that they trick people, right? So like when the charter board came through recently to issue our recharter <laughs> or to, you know, do it in-school observation, um, the people's classes that they had them check were like great teachers. It was like, oh, no, duh. And it's like, oh, AP advanced calculus or whatever like oh we're gonna send you to this person's room who's freaking awesome and is a rock star like of course you're gonna be in there so with that being said i think it does take it has to be in person it's like you wouldn't buy a house by just looking at online and reading the review of the realtor right you have to go to the house and see can i imagine myself being here especially because web websites like she said and you you yeah websites are not really updated or a real true glimpse. Of what's I'd say happening. this too. You know what? I, I think might be a good resource potentially is um, going on the Facebook, our Facebook group, and asking people there. Like, I have, is that? I have actual insight. I think that if you want to be a part of your school, I would go on a town Facebook group. If you can get yourself into the town's Facebook group that you're like looking at the yeah. school, like if you really want to do some deep digging, like I feel like that would be a really good way to do that because you're going to find parents on there who are disgruntled you're going to find parents who've had great successes you'll find you'll get a whole gamut of like info that's a good idea here's one of the things that's interesting too you're right and one of the things i love is that if i ever see someone like just talking trash on like a company or a platform or um they didn't like a product they were dismayed because they went to chick-fil-a and it sucked um as if that could happen but uh you if you see companies that jump in and go, hey, I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, let's try and figure this out. Yeah. That's so telling to me that like, <laughs> oh, you're an organization that wants success, that you're trying to help people find success. So that could be a good move too. Yeah. But I think that intuition piece is utterly crucial. All right, our next question comes from Tracy. Pinter. She's asking, what are you doing, Reynolds, to finish the school year strong and plans for the summer to prepare for the next school year? So, Pinter... Um, we know you'll probably be in Hawaii or Florida or somewhere else warm and beautiful um, and hanging out with rock stars. But uh, I so to finish the school year strong, I think it's you know, what we're looking at is um, I've been with my co-teacher for three years now. It's the third year. And that's the longest I've ever taught with anyone. So it's really kind of fun to look back and say, well, what has worked in the past? Like what went really well? And not just because it was fun or the kids loved it, but like what led to success. And it's so it's the it's the integration of those two things, right? Um, where you're it's like deep learning mixed with like an incredible sense of fun and and enjoyment. Um, that's one of the things. And I'll look. Sometimes I say stuff that I look. I don't. I'm not encouraging anyone to do this. I'm not saying. And I I realize what I'm saying is online and in the public, but. Um, we had a meeting last week at school and it was the second meeting in two weeks that I went to. There were actually three meetings in the last two weeks that left me so utterly aggravated and I felt like ethics were being pushed and I I just felt like it was a bad move all around. Um, I've made a promise to myself that I'm, and this is one of those things, righty? Don't do what I do. Just get down with my reasoning. Um... (laughs) that I'm, I'm not going to go to any meetings for the rest of the year. I, this is my plan. Uh, unless the person I, that, and it, that depends on who's leading the meeting. Um, 
Or what the meeting is. Or what is. the meeting's about, really. But, like, if it's, like, one of those meetings that could have been an email and I know it's just going to aggravate me and I'm going to go home and I have to, like, bring that trauma with me, uh, I, I'm no longer going. What I'm feeling, like, lately is I have this sense of, uh, of like, this hypervigilance um, where, like, you're there's there's so much stress in your life that you're kind of like this i'm trying to uh slow down with that i'm trying to like not do that and not personalize things that are going on so um i think that not going to meetings anymore is one of the ways i'm going to do that now look i know most people on here cannot do that uh but if you can you know it's something to think about uh you know the other thing is like plans for the summer we're going to colorado and as soon as school's done, we're going to fly out to Colorado and go on a vacation with my wife's three sisters and her mom, which has never been done before. And a I'm a bunch of little kids. Yeah. Little at this incredible looking place. There's going to be a lot of lots of kids. It's little feet running around there. House. I'm yeah. so excited. It's going to be really great. So um, that I'm really looking forward to. And then I have two conferences. That I'm, don't talk about those yet. Oh, you could talk about uh, the one with the G. Oh. Okay, not the other one? Okay. So I, I'm also speaking in Orlando at Get Your Teach On, um, which is Hope and King's conference. Um, and I'm looking forward to that at the end of uh, the end of the it's thing. And then June. and then the other thing that we talked about, Pinter, I'll be cryptic. Um, I'm working that out. I'm working she the details on that now. The... <laughs> yeah, I'm working the details out of that too. But that'll be in New Orleans, so which would be awesome. I love New Orleans. All right, are we ready for our next question? So yeah, any connection points there? Anyone wants to hang out? Those are the three places I'll be in June. <laughs> All right. Um, Sophia is our next question, coming from our next question. Um, she's asking, I got offered a permanent position at my school for the next year. Is there anything I should look into when I receive my offer letter and other information before I say yes? Um, you know, that's a great... First of all, congratulations to you for like getting the... The full-time gig that's awesome i know that a lot of people like are waiting on that and to hear and that can be stressful when you're waiting for like contracts to come out and what are they going to get paid and things like that um i would just look at like you know i i feel like if anyone else has done this recently i would it would be really great if you could answer this uh in in the chat um this might be a good thing to put in the facebook group also to see like what people are thinking but um you know from the top of my head, it's like, what am I being asked to do? So I feel like five classes is reasonable. Six classes is pushing it. Um, you know, and not that it would be in your contract, but it's just like, you know, when I'm looking, if I looked at another school again, it would be like, uh, where, like, do I have my own room? Things like that. It's looking at, um, you know, how, when are you getting paid? Do you get paid through the summer or do you get paid only during the school year? Cause man, I've done both. And when I own, when I didn't get paid in the summer in Camden, I used to get uh, my last paycheck on like June fifteenth. I didn't get another paycheck till September fifteenth. So that meant I worked four jobs every summer to just make barely make ends meet. Then the rest of the year was like digging out of that debt from the summer. And then oh yeah, all of a sudden it's Christmas, and now we're digging out of the debt of that. And so it was like then you're, just when you're almost right, bam, last paycheck and your debt back again. Philly pays all year round you get regular paycheck all year round and so that's something to consider as well um you know and then I, I think it's like i said earlier it's sort of the asks on your time and what are the requirements for for doing so but i don't you know probably what i would guess is that whatever you're getting paid whatever the asks are are the same that everyone else is getting 
um, especially if your school is unionized. You're, they're not going to like try and lowball you because they can get away with it. It's like, no, this is what we pay a third year teacher with this amount of education and things like that. So, yeah, but good for you. How exciting. That's so awesome. Caitlin is um, the next question up. She's asking, I'm one of the few teachers in our area who can teach what I teach. I took a new job, have 10 days left of work. How do I prep my kids for the likely gap in teachers, juniors and seniors? Um, so, gosh, Caitlin, first of all, like, first of all, congratulations to you on your new endeavor, whatever that is going to be. Two, um, you know, isn't that crazy? Like, like, can we just even note that for a moment that like you might be a teacher in a school where you're the only one that kind of knows how to teach what you teach. We have all we have we've taken to um, renaming substitutes in our school so that it doesn't look like we have too many substitutes because uh, at this point of the year, 50% of our teachers have quit. And so um, we call substitutes guest educators now. Um, we have guest educators in the room. And so even though they've never taught anything ever. Um, and so, you know, when you have someone coming in to guest educate a Latin class and they don't speak Latin, um, it gets a little crazy in there. So, you know, I, I just think that's worth noting and, and it's kind of wild. Um, how do you prep kids? Look, I think if I was going to talk to students, it's about, you know, I don't think we do enough, have enough of a conversation with students around self-advocating that when you need help, you keep asking until you get what you're needed. Don't ask and the teacher didn't say something. They didn't, you know, they didn't, it was their fault or it was the administration's fault. It's like, keep pushing until you get what you need. You are the most important thing in the school because you are the kids that you're, I won't say you're the most important, but you're the reason we're here, right? Everyone's important in the, in the building. Um, you were the reason that we showed up without students, we don't have a school. So it's really giving kids this sense of like, uh, of power to know like, yo, if you don't get it, or if you don't get the book, if you didn't, if they're not posting your work online, if you're not getting the grades, if they're not grades aren't coming fast enough. So, you know, if you did well, like make sure you're advocating for yourself. And I tell students this all the time, um, students that know what their IEP is, it's like, yo, make sure your IEP is being met. Like you need to know that thing. If you're in the know, I realize that we don't let all students know what's in their IEP, um, especially when they're younger, but, um, make sure you're advocating for yourself because this is stuff that is your, your legal right. And so, you know, make sure that you're doing that. That's what I would, I would pump kids up and remind them that like, cause look, we don't tell kids that they're powerful enough. Um, I'm working right now with an organization called When We All Vote. And When We All Vote is a, is a platform that tries to remind children that you're important, that you have a say, that you have a vote, that you have a voice, that you need to use that. And so I think in doing something like that, um, that's some real world talk that kids probably aren't going to get instead of like whatever kind of teachery thing they might get from from other folks. It's you getting real with them and letting them know like you're important, you matter, you're the reason we're here. Act accordingly um, and get get yours, get your education so that you can find the success that you want in life. You don't want to not find success because you know someone wasn't doing their job or something like that. So I think that's what I would talk to them about. But my best to you. That's a great looking family too. I love people's profile pictures. This it's like it is a good one. That's a, and everyone's wearing shorts. Oh, Not here in New Jersey right now, where it's twelve degrees outside. 
<laughs> Our next question comes from Jason. He's asking, I am a new teacher at a charter high school in Arizona. I yes. have planned on staying, but massive turno- turnover in leadership has me applying elsewhere. Any advice to stay motivated for current students? Yeah, dude, this is the question, right? Uh, I feel the same way. Um, so, Jason, I think that it's literally, you know, um, you have you have to fill up, right? You have to show up the best that you can. And you can only do that by filling yourself up. So it's not just pouring yourself into your work endlessly. Um, it is you need to fuel the fire, right? So you want not just rest, but rejuvenation. And then I think it's going into school and remembering, you know, one of the things I, I kind of, one of my, like, I don't know if I'd say it's a value, but like a something I live by is that we're not just there to for information. We're there for transformation, right? We're showing up. And one of the things my wife reminds me of on the regular is, especially when I've had like a, a crappy day before and I have to go back to school, she'll be like, you need to just focus on what's in front of you. Focus on the class that's in front of you. Focus on the kid that's in front of you. Focus on the situation that's in front of you and not the rest of it. Um and to the best of my ability, I really, I, my coworkers might think otherwise, but because um, I think there's, I try and stay away from all the madness. Um, gossip, though, I've had many talks this week about gossip, where like gossip isn't just talking crap. It's not just talking smack on people and being and being you know manipulative. It's really knowing what's going to happen before it happens. So like if something's going to go down, I want to be, you know, I want to be one of the villagers. Uh, in Game of Thrones that knew, you know, some lady on a dragon was going to come down and destroy everyone, right? I need to know that ahead of time. I need to get an inkling. Hey, did you hear that I heard they saw a dragon outside the city? It might be coming our way. Yeah, I got to know that so I can get out of here. I don't want to be blissfully unaware and I'm just like serving up soup at my restaurant and bam, all of a sudden, you know, dragon hit. Uh, so I think there's some value to that sort of gossip. Um but it's really just showing up and giving to those students um, in a way that they need today. And so that that is where I, I get a lot of motivation. And when I walk into the building, even though I it's hard sometimes, it's really just finding those kids that think they're invisible and letting them know they're visible. It's like the kids I eat lunch with that need to talk to you about something serious that's going on, something hard that's going on. It's um, trying to remember to have fun. like. You, intentionally so i brought like my old atari 5600 in the school and we play it on the 85 inch samsung uh interactive board that i have and playing asteroids on that thing the kids are like what did you make this game yourself they literally asked me that like, did you make <laughs> oh this my God, game wait till you bring in the raspberry pi thing yeah that our buddy made for us yeah with all a, the games a friend of mine made me a raspberry pi with what how many games it's like, a, like i don't know a few hundred like yeah arcade games yeah so um but on the 85 inch screen, it just looks, it's like, yeah, it's so literally, they're like, what is this game? Is that a triangle shooting circles? And I'm like, no, dude, that's a spaceship and it's blowing up asteroids. But then they all liked it. And I was giving, um, um, I, we have a tally on the board right now. I have the highest oh, score because I'm the best. Um, <laughs> but all the kids are trying, if they can Dude, beat my high score, I buy donuts for you at the end of the week. Oh, and so it's idea. really, so there's like a leaderboard on, on the, on the whiteboard in the front of the room. I really yeah. think it comes down to like making as much fun as possible, but I think that's really hard when you're pissed off or angry. It's like at a school or a void or whatever. It's the but most it's important like, time to do it though. It is. You it's, have to make yourself. I think one of the things that I heard the most that I just love was that you, and I don't know who it came from or where it came from. It must 
I'm a terrible quoter, um, was just that you can't, there's no room for all that crap in our minds when we're literally making ourselves be grateful and focusing on what's right in front of us. And I just love the idea of that because I too, like everybody else, deal with all the crap that goes on in your brain that You're right. really can sabotage you. And I'm trying to not let Can it. you give me that stupid box up there on top of the uh, thing? Um, because I want to use yeah. that as an example. No, that oh. one on top. The terrible oh one. Gosh, yes, the really short person. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm going to use this as an example. So here, here's why that's important. When dealing with these sort of like social emotional um, things, when you feel a deficit, when you feel like school's chaotic, right? I, I felt very much this year. It is acknowledging what's going on and feeling that, right? Not just pushing it under the rug, not drinking it away. You know, like it, it is really acknowledging what's going on. And then it is taking intentional steps to do something with that. And so what I mean by that is like, it is I, the other day I was in the hallway and I have someone stole my, I was not there one day and someone stole my, my classroom phone, right? Which I've asked for a new one. I've not gotten one. So now what they did leave was the head, like the hand, I don't even know what they call it anymore. Handset, whatever, like the actual part you talk into like this and the cord, right? But the whole thing is gone, right? The rest of it. That's kind of hilarious. So though. I, this is so dumb. I got a giant eyeball from my thing of eyeballs and I put it on there. And the kids go, what is that? This is so dumb. I'm going to say this out loud. I go, bro, this is a new iPhone. It's the iPhone 14. <laughs> now, you know, I'm an influencer online. So I got the beta version. Yeah, Apple wants your boy to check it out real quick. So I talk on it in the hallway with the cord just dangling there. And I go, I go, oh, yeah, he's coming. Yeah, here comes Sibley down the hallway now. Yeah, he's walking right by me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Tyron, yeah, Tyron doesn't have his, uh, he doesn't have his tie on. Yeah, code blue on first floor. Tyron doesn't have his tie on right now. Um, I will not talk to kids because I go, guys, I'm on the phone right now. You have to ask me in a minute. <laughs> and it's just doing that stuff, but I'm doing it on purpose because yeah. it, it creates levity in the class, in the, in the hallway. It makes me laugh at myself, even though the dumber the joke, the better too. Um, and then one of the things I've tried to start doing, uh, as I started buying these games at Five Below, I'm not affiliated with Five Below anyway, but I would love to be. Uh, so this is the inflatable battle. So this is clearly not a good one to bring in the school. I don't want kids beating one another with inflatable objects. Yeah, that's for our kids to beat each other. Yeah, but Five <laughs> Below has a ton of the dumbest games in the world. And like they have like a thing you sit on your toilet and play darts on the back of your board. Like that's not what anyone does on the toilet. They all go on Instagram. But like um, – <laughs> It is all kinds of silly stuff. And like on Fridays, we do that. Or we were doing minute to win it Wednesdays where it's like, here's five minutes. We're going to do a minute to win it thing. And then that's it. And then we move on to the next thing. So it's finding these silly and creative ways on purpose just to create a sense of happiness and joy and levity in, in, without, in the school day. What you got? Oh, next. It's pretty <laughs> dusty. You can tell we didn't take this one to school. Yeah. Well, it's not for school. That one was for our kids. And they didn't use it. Yeah. But they're going to use it because what are you going to make them do? CJ's brilliant idea is to make like our kids. Like before Christmas, he was like, all right, anything weird that, oh. that you haven't played with, we're going to make you play with it. Yeah, you get one it. less Christmas present if there's stuff that, that you got last year that you didn't play with. And so I made them play with everything. Okay, let's answer some questions. Sophia. Sorry. Or Sophie is, is asking, what is your attitude towards using other languages than other than English in the classroom when students are multi? Lingual and English is not their mother tongue. 
Um, I say use what you got to use to be able to get kids to where you need to get them to. It's not a student's fault that like they don't speak English well. I once had a student that moved right from Dominican Republic and started going to my school. Now, our school was um, it was I don't I forget what the percentage was. Let's say it's 50 50. Maybe it was 60 40 um, kids that spoke English as a second language. So at home, they spoke Spanish and everybody else spoke English as a first language. So when the student came in from Dominican Republic and we were reading the Odyssey, it was like, how do we help you to move along? So I got a copy of a graphic novel of it, right? So not even the full book. And it was in Spanish. Um, I don't speak a word of Spanish. I used to pretend I could speak Spanish, but that's just because I knew somebody cursed and I would look at them with my dad's stare and then they would go, oh, you know what I said? And I go, you know damn well that I know what you said. And then they would think that I was telling the truth, but I didn't. Um, we used to have uh, like little hangouts after school where we would have like tutoring sessions where all like there was a bunch of students that like spoke, did speak English as a second language that would show up after school. Um, some of them spoke really English really well others were very very limited if if they spoke at all and when we would come after school like everyone would bring food we'd play music we'd like work through it together and I'd get students that you know that were more proficient in English to help be the intermediary between me and a student that didn't speak English and what you find is that one, you're creating ownership like crazy because that kid like now is like a boss and they have to know what they're talking about. They have to understand the concept, the idea so they can teach it to someone else. And what's the best way to learn is to teach your feelings, making someone else feel like they actually matter and that they're not some kind of second class citizen or that they're not stupid or dumb because they can't speak English. Um, and you're creating a space where people can belong. And that club blew up. I mean, over like a three-year period, I, those girls, it was mostly girls, sometimes boys, because they found out there was a bunch of girls in there, um, that uh, would show up every day. And I'll tell you, one time, um, I don't even remember this. We were in the thrift store looking for Halloween costume pieces. And this young woman that I taught that I remember when she didn't speak any English, like came in and she was like, Mr. Reynolds, how are you? And we were just talking and chatting it up. And it was like, so gratifying to hear about her life and where she'd come and not that I like am the reason for that but um you know I think that we need to remember that kids want to learn kids want to do well kids want innately to be successful how can we not do everything that we can to help those students do the best to, that they can now look it's holding the line and helping kids get up to that place where they can you know read English write English speak English um and you don't want the translation to get in their way to be able to really live the life like they're important their life is important their voice is important and so it's like we don't want anything to be in the way of them to be able to do the best so but it's meeting folks where they are and then helping them to get up to where they need to be to you know whether it's to pass the sat or get into college or just find success in in their own way all right, our next question comes from Raylene. This is a great question. She says, I'm starting the interview process soon and I'm nervous about the aspect of bragging, um, of bragging myself up. How would you go about this without sounding arrogant? So, gosh, this is a great question. Um, you know, I'll say this. L let me relate it to, to my life for a moment. Um, when I wrote my book, I it was hard because you feel like a narcissist, right? Because you, you have to say here's who I am. This is what I've been through. This is what I did with it. And this is how I won or lost, right? You have to own those. 
and the winning ones. I mean, there are, I have stories that I share with damn near like no one. Um, and there's been stuff I've shared even on social media and in YouTube videos that like I, it was really hard, but I made myself do it because I wanted people to know about it. But sometimes it's like the craziest stuff that like has happened in your life and you're like, man, just telling this, I feel like I'm showboating or, or it's like a big flex or something like that. I think the way that you do it though is you have to make it about kids, right? So it's not here's what I did. This is how great I am. It's here's how I saw a need and I met it and I helped kids win. Here's how I focus everything on children. Like my words meant so much that this happened or, you know, I saw this lack or I saw that like we, no one was learning or reading or doing something. And so we, we, you know, um, I, I decided that we were going to shift things and do this and kids found success with that. Um, or it's about looking at the community that you are a part of, like giving a fair shout out to the people that deserve it. You know, like every time, one of the things I've been really trying to do, even on social in my stories is my co-teacher has been coming up with such great ideas for things. So I try and shout her out. Um, now I don't like tag her, uh, necessarily. Cause I don't know that she wants that sort of publicity that I love. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it is, but when she recently started like doing like, Hey, let's do like a music aspect to our vocab review. And then last week we're like listening to iron maiden in the classroom and relating it to vocab words. It was so cool. And I was like, damn, I wish I thought of this, but it's like giving love words to do, um, that I know damn well that when I taught with my friend Cho and my friend Yonkers, like there was no way I would have been as successful in those years if I didn't have those women to, to, to be a part of not even to just help me, but to like, to, to be a part of a community with, right? Like we're always saying teaching is a communal activity. And, and so it's remembering those sorts of things, um, that it is not just you focus on, it's a thing you did, but it was student based. It was student led. It was student directed. It was for kids. And then who did you do it with? Was it just you or did someone else come up with the idea and you implemented or you guys worked together to kind of do something for, for students or it was you worked with an organization or with parents or with the community or whatever it is. I think that that's what you're doing. What I think teach and this is what I look for when I do interviews with teachers at our school or when I have in the past. You're looking for how are you going to bring your greatness to our school, remembering that you're ordinary is someone else's extraordinary. So you got to tell them the things you got to tell them what you bring. You got to, you know, flex a little bit. Um, but know that I'm do I'm not just flexing. So I can, they make a movie about me one day I'm flexing. So kids can have a, have a shot. That's what I'm trying to do. And so I think changing that lens and reminding yourself that that is your purpose. That is your, your passion. That is your direction. All right. Um, our next question comes from Harlow's happening. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. You know what I'm going to say. We have you to know, acknowledge this amazing profile picture. Profile picture. <laughs> so cute. We need the whole backstory on that. Okay. Go ahead. Well, her question is, one of my favorite moments is seeing former students and catching up. I love hearing what they are up to and how they've grown. Do you get visits from former students? It's one of my points of contention this year. Yes, all the time. Our school has always been an open door that kids have come back to. We have stopped doing that um, for a number of reasons that are that I don't like. Uh uh, now we just blame it on COVID, but it's really has, there's other things that are in, in play um, that we don't let kids do this. It is, 
the greatest thing. And I think especially when students come back to your school and the kids that are sitting there, the kid that's in freshman year of high school that hates school, doesn't want to go to college, life is a mess, to see somebody come back that literally sat in the same seat as you, that literally came from the same place as you, that has been through it, seen it all before, and has found some level of success outside of the school is the greatest gift we can give to students. Because if you see it, you can be it. And if you can see someone and know someone and talk to someone that's been where you are now, I've not been. I've not been where many of my students have been. I've not had to endure or weather a number of the things my kids have had to go through, but other students have. So having kids come back and saying like, look, this is how I beat the system. This is how I like found my way. This is how I found my passion. This is how I found what I was going to work on next. It is no, it's good. It's great for the students. And I think it's also good for us. You get so caught up, right? Like, you know, teaching is like Sisyphus's rock, right? Which is this uh, ancient myth of like Sisyphus has to like his punishment is to roll this giant boulder up a hill. And then once he gets it to the top of the hill, um, it rolls back down to the bottom of the hill and then he has to do it again and again and again. That's what school feels like, right? When it's like you finally get there with your class and you're like, you're, it's like a well-oiled machine and things are going well and the kids are, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then it's June. And then in September, it's all there again. No one knows who you are. You don't know who anyone else is. You got to figure out all the kids, figure out the behaviors, figure out the situation. It's that kind of like thing over and over and over again. But when kids come back, it is such a reminder of like, yo, this is the best. So I'm going to, I'm going to, flex real quick um because i just think it's a good flex to do uh today i'm going to drop off 15 of my books right uh teacher class off now available on amazon um it is the so that a former student of mine purchased uh and asked if she could buy 15 of my books she wants them signed and she's going to give them to her kids her her four children um to all of their teachers and it's like what a Honor. like what an unbelievable honor to have someone do that so yeah that fills me up and and but even like i'm looking forward to just like stopping by today and like you know hanging out and like seeing what's up and and talking and stuff um and yeah so i think that that's that's incredibly important and whenever you can do that i just think is great i went to a funeral one of my old students uh her mother passed last week and so i um and funerals are are sad, but it's like when you can just show up and remind kids that like you still care and you see them light up when you walk in the room, especially at a hard and difficult moment. Or if you find out someone has a new job or they work at the, you know, at a kiosk in the mall or whatever, and you just go there. I think that it's it it's a good reminder for students, too, that you that you're never out of my classroom. You might be out of my classroom, but you're not out of my life. I, I'm here for you forever. Our next question comes from Meredith. She's asking, I just got hired two weeks ago, full-time in a middle school. I'm their fourth nice. teacher this year. I have yeah. four classes in a row in four different classrooms. Advice on being organized and greeting students? So, Meredith, I would, this is, you know, tricky and not uncommon this year, I think, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think staying organized, I would have the minimum amount of stuff is if you can have more stuff online than in paper form, you're better off because you don't have to carry things around. 
I would ask those teachers if you could have whoever's room you're in for those four different classes, if you can have a section of that room. Like maybe it's a corner, maybe it's a wall, maybe it's something where you can keep things. And then I find that um, if my class is a well-oiled machine, like when my students come in, it is the same thing every day. I greet you at the door, I shake your hands, um, and my co-teacher is handing out the do now, right? So we're both doing something. Then, and look, I realize I have two people, but I'm just trying to give you a sense because this is what my life is like. Then I, I do the do now with the students when they're done writing. So there's a timer on the board. You get five minutes to do it. Then I collect the papers immediately afterwards. We talk about that, or no, then we shift right into vocab. My co-teacher does the vocab with the students while I grade the do nows real quick. Um, then we switch back to the do now. We talk about what just happened on it. And then we switch back into the other thing. Everyone knows who's handing stuff out. Everyone knows who helps me organize stuff. Everyone knows where papers go. Everyone knows when you need a paper clip, it's in this exact spot. It's having things in such a way that there's no, it minimizes the madness, right? It doesn't get rid of it, but it minimizes the madness and students know what to expect every single time. And if you're the fourth teacher this year, there's going to be a far stronger learning curve on that. But it's letting kids know that like, look, I'm not leaving, but my job here is to help you find success. And I feel like this is the theme of the day. I keep talking about this, but it's helping you find success. And I just want to do that. So let's figure out the best way that we can help you to find success. So here's like, you know, you're, you're reminding kids of how things go. And then eventually that gets ingrained. And eventually I think that's what kids want. If I'm not standing at my door, if I'm with a kid that had a hard moment in class, dudes, like dozens of kids pop in. Yo, oh, Reynolds is here. Yo, why aren't you standing at the door? How come you're not in the hallway? What are you doing? And it's like, because you interrupted their daily routine and they love that consistency. So it's about building that consistency in there. Greeting students, look, is important. Standing at the door is important. If you can't do it because you just got to the class, you got to organize stuff, you got to get things ready and hand it out and all that stuff then you can just say hi to them as they're coming in the room um, or as you're handing something out, you're just saying hi to them or something like that. But don't hold yourself to some expectation that's just not realistic. Uh, and then, you know, next year I would really push and let the school know, like, look, for the betterment, it's not just for you, but for the betterment of kids. Because I think schools aren't always apt to do things for students, but they're more apt, or they're more apt to do things for students and for teachers. I think it's going to benefit kids if I'm in the same place all day. I'm thinking it's going to benefit kids because I can be organizing and set things up in such a way that kids are going to be empowered by that. Um, that's that's how we do it for next year. But um, yeah, I think that's my mini advice on that situation. All right, Heidi is next, and she's asking, I'm on a team and always producing things, often digitally, for other team members. Some of my teammates never share anything, and it gets frustrating. Any, on, any ideas to have people step up? Uh you know, Heidi, I wonder if how much of this is like, look, I think, is it because they just don't want to because they're stingy because they, you know, is that it? Or is it because, you know, some teachers make really great stuff. Like one of the reasons we have not sold resources yet um, and that we continue to work on this, um, but I haven't like really pulled the trigger it's because I see the great stuff that's out there and it's hard. You, you look at your stuff and it's like, this isn't that cute. This isn't that cool. This isn't that like, this is pretty basic and normal and ordinary. Um, and, and for me, it's not just the resource. It's how I do what we're doing. Right. So it's, it's not just like, 
um, writing a song. It's how is the song performed for me. So I wonder if folks are feeling that way. I think the other way to get anyone to do anything is just cold call them. Yo, Tom, next week at the meeting, can you share something? Because I know you're doing awesome stuff in your classroom and you are, you are, you know, denying us your gift. Um, so I want to see it, bring it. Um, I think that that is, and, and maybe you start, you start small. So it's like, Hey, next week, uh, Terry, can you bring, um, your do now and, or your pre-class or your exit ticket or whatever it is, something small so that there is this feeling of like, I can enter into this at a rate that I feel comfortable with. Um, and then I, I look, I think that two things, one people treat us the way that we teach them to treat us. So if we have people showing up to meetings and not engaging, they're on their phones or on their computers or doing something else or sitting in the back corner, not engaging, which happens at our school often. Um, the, if you don't, if you don't change, they won't. So they, they are learning how, what they can get away with and getting away with it. I think that all of life, I think that most of your success in life comes down to one simple thing, and that is your ability or inability to have difficult conversations. That when we can call people out on things, when we can ask tough questions, when we can really actively listen and not, and like go into things with curiosity and not just go into, the, so it's like, hey, I notice you never share in our meetings. You never bring any of the resources. You never talk about like the things that we're producing together um, or, or individually. And I'm just curious as to why that is with no judgment. You're because you don't know what someone's story is, right? Like maybe they're battling something that you know nothing about. So I think it's entering into those difficult conversations, but doing so with curiosity instead of judgment. Um, I think any one of those things would really help in that space. Great profile picture, by the way. <laughs> um, I love profile. Our question part. comes from Kara. Uh, she's asking any advice on finding out a school's. Oh, we answered that one, Kara. She wrote that twice. Beat you. <laughs> All right, we're going to skip that one and we're going to go to Miss L. Just go back about asking, 15 minutes and you get the answer. Yes. Um, there, she's asking, new at my school, two months, I sense one of the grade 12 students is in all of me and while i know this is not uncommon for a student slash teacher dynamic any advice to normalize the situation um yeah look i mean that's cute <laughs> i will tell you that uh when you are that age yes everyone becomes an object of affection at some point right like i just remember like my 10th grade science teacher um she was much, 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 much older. I'm pretty Before. sure there were a couple of whiskers in there. Um, but I was just like, you know, you're staring at someone all day. Like that's your job, right? It's when like kids are like, Reynolds, you wore those pants two days ago, bro, back up. What? <laughs> Stop, Stop paying. Yeah. What's up with those? You wore those shoes two days in a row, bro. What? What? Um, I, you know, in my experience, in ever dealing with someone that was sort of like, look, it could just be infatuated with you or it could just be a, a student that like is just needs a lot. They need a lot of attention. They need a lot of affirmation. They need a lot of whatever. Um, and you want to minimize that. Sometimes I can feel it, it's overwhelming and it can be overbearing and you just need a moment to be, have silence. But they're like, no, oh, Mr. Reynolds, I need your attention. Um, that's what they sound like all the time. And so, uh, you know, it is making sure you're protecting yourself and protecting the kid. I never, like, if I felt like someone liked me um, or was sort of infatuated with me, 
it was not being in the same room alone. It was never being in a room closed with a closed door. It was as soon as that kid came in and I was by myself, I'd be like, hey, what's up? You have a question? Yeah, actually, I'm walking to get copies right now. I'm going in the office or I was just about to stretch my legs and stand in the hallway real quick or whatever so that you are just being smart. Um, I once had a teacher. I had a young woman that had a, that had been gotten pregnant. What? Don't talk about this. I'm not going to tell their story. This was a hundred years ago. They don't watch YouTube. Um, <laughs> that they, and, and there's nothing bad in it. It's okay. a young woman, um, was with the dude. They got, she got pregnant, um, and she had a miscarriage. And so she came in and she ate lunch with me every day with a whole bunch of other students. But there were uh, several weeks where like, she just from time to time would come in and be crushed. Right. Which is understandable. Um, and she didn't want everyone to know, everyone knew what happened, but she didn't want to talk about it with everyone. So she would just ask me to like sit to the side with her and we would just, all she, all we would do is just listen to her talk and just, I would just, you know, it's, it's the old, like, uh, thing I'm saying all the time, which is your attention is more important than your advice. I don't have any advice for someone, especially when I was 20 nothing years old about to, especially being a dude and like some young woman had a miscarriage. I don't know what to say to that, but I can just care. And at some point, these other teachers that were eating in my room said, you know, Reynolds, you you need to be careful um, that you're, uh, you know, like, um, you know, in case something's going on, like insinuated that something was going on. I'm like, bro, what? What? Like, I'm, I'm just showing up and trying to listen and be an ear for someone. And like, we sent them the guidance. That didn't help. We sent them to the school therapist. They didn't trust them. So it's like, if I can just be an ear, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so, but it's, but what you have to be mindful of is that, you know, that young people take things different ways. And I, I see what they were saying, right? Like, like in, in retrospect, um, but it's putting yourself in a safe space with, you know, that you're protecting yourself and the kid, because there are weirdos out there that take advantage of that stuff. There are teachers that end up sleeping with students and, and that kind of thing happens. And look, we all know damn well that a rumor of something happening is just as bad as it happening. Like it might as well just happened. Um, Cause it's hard to bounce back from that. Like, you know, if I found out my neighbor was a pedophile and then it was like, oh, no, that was the wrong guy. I'm still going to be like, don't go get your bike, kids, when that dude's out there anymore or that woman's out there. So um, I think just being safe um, is is the move there. But it's like just putting yourself in safe spaces and then don't play into it. I would just talk about my wife all the time, all the time. Maybe that's why we have such a great relationship because I've been talking about this for so long. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. Seeing how great you are. Thanks, Lee. I appreciate that. All right, are you ready for the next question? I am. Justine is asking. I'm awkwardly looking at you now. I know, I'm enjoying it. She's asking, can you talk more about your co-teaching experience, the format slash style you used? And then here's the other part. Um, Continuing, why you think the teachers that left did and what made you successful as a co-teacher? I started co-teaching because somebody quit and they needed a co-teacher. And then my friend, uh, Yank, um, was like, Hey, can you take over this co-teaching thing? And then she quit. And I was like, Oh, so now I'm stuck here with no one I know. So I have had a lot of co-teachers. Um, some have been good. Some have been horrible. Uh, I had one guy that got fired mid year. Um, cause he was wildly inappropriate. And another woman that came for a day, um, went to lunch and never came back. Um, <laughs> 
I had my buddy finds that has been in a bunch of old videos. He's the big giant dude, looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones, second Game of Thrones reference I've made today. Uh, finds was awesome, but then like when a lot of teachers started leaving, he saw the writing on the wall and like went somewhere that he would be really now. He works, does one to one work with kids all day and is like incredible. Um, our friend Yonkers um, left to become like the head of the special ed department. So, like, there's there've been a lot of people, and I won't even talk about there, like, because I don't know who watches. Um, but just it's not worth talking about, like, the people that didn't work. The, but the reason they didn't work was not having shared values and ideals and mission, right? It's having folks had a different sense of like what was actually important, the way they've related to kids. It doesn't always have to be the same. Um, but it has to be, there has to be some commonality. Like, do you value relationships? Is this a really strict class? I don't want to play good cop, bad cop in a class. I want to co-teach, right? We are in the same band, but like, you know, can we complement one another? Can we work well together? Can we draw from one another's strengths? So Kayla is my current uh, co-teacher. We've been together for three years. And although she is significantly younger than I am, which adds to her a crazy amount of enthusiasm and happiness and like, wow, all right, what are we doing? Like, um, I she, she makes me look like I'm the least excited person on earth. Um, it was, you know, I think initially because I had so many different co-teachers, I was hesitant to let anyone else really in. So I just ran the class and she was like a sidekick at best, right? She would just kind of mold about and try to figure out ways to be useful. And then when we actually started co-teaching, thinking like, well, what can you do and what can I do and how can these things overlap? It really is at a place in this third year that we are like, she's doing something and I'm doing something and someone can step out and someone can handle a thing with a kid and someone can pull someone aside and someone's doing small group over here or they're pulling kids for testing over here. And you and she's like, I'm really good at like coming up with ideas, like generating fun, interesting uh, ideas on coming up with big concepts for lessons and stuff. But she's really good at documenting all that. She's really good at like when we do special ed paperwork, fill things out for IEPs, when we do lesson planning and things of that nature, she's so good at like taking all of my ingredients that I come up with and all my ideas and going, okay, here's how we're actually going to pull this off. Um, Cause that is not my strong suit at all. It's finding those things and then really getting over, I think, I think she has to deal with a lot of nonsense that I do. Cause sometimes she'll, the other day she snapped and she was like, she was having a rough day anyway. And she's like, she goes, Reynolds, would you stop doing that? I'm trying to get the kids to do this. And I was like, all right. I said, all right. Yeah, but I think that, no, no, I think that that's true for both of you because I have heard you yeah. say that for her, that something was driving you nuts and you were trying to do something. I yeah. think it's. That's the, the that's the relational dynamic between It's being able to talk about those, yes. knowing when to talk about them and knowing when to just go, you know what? You do this thing sometimes, drives me crazy. Yeah, um, but even in the moment, I think it's in the moment it's being able to say, Stop doing that right now. I'm doing this and then the other person understanding yeah. and conceding. The ability to do that on the dime and on yeah. the quick, that's a really that's yeah, a, that's a big piece and that's a relational. Piece. It's it is it's literally I think co-teaching is like you have to look at it like a marriage. Because like if you're together for yeah. 20 years, like that's a long time. And if you don't work well together, then it's a wrap. So it's really figuring out ways to like really connect, really 
pull on each other's strengths and then really being able to have real conversations where like um i have i've had to like pull the ripcord on kayla sometimes when she's doing something so nuts that i'm like can you not play mama mia right now and have the kids have a dance party because i'm trying to like explain to them what's going to be on the test and now you're just hyping them up and i she does that to me all the time she's like can you stop putting tape in their hair while i'm giving directions yeah. because now everyone's distracted and not listening to me and i'm like all right yes you are correct so it's it's figuring that thing out yeah. but we are i mean i would if i was going to continue to be at my particular school i i would not want to co-teach with anyone else she yeah. is like we are you in such a sink now and it's i've i've only ever had that fines i had a little bit of that with um but he was too much like me that yes. we were like, it was like, you can't you have someone to balance you. And that's why Yonkers works yeah. really well. And that's why Kayla works really uh, well now. This example I'm going to give is completely overarching. But you need Paul McCartney and John Lennon in the Beatles, right? If you have two John that, Lennons, that you have. does not work for All right. Me. So if you have two John Lennons, you just have really sad songs. You get, so this is Christmas, right? You get that most depressing, one of the most depressing Christmas songs ever. If you get. Paul McCartney, it's just happy times all the time. And so that's why, like, if you look at a song, this is only reaching a certain number of people. I realize uh, Day in the Life by the Beatles, the beauty of that song is it's the saltiness and the sweetness together. That together makes something really amazing. Too much salt, your tongue puckers up and you feel like a raisin. Too much sugar, you get cavities. And so it's it's that beautiful combination of the two. I agree. Do you want to ask, uh, answer one more? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We're going to go with Zach, and he's saying, man, I am so tired. One of the sections I teach is yearbook. Oh. All of the students, yeah, all of, all of a sudden there is a bunch of drama in the class, and the counselors, principals, and parents are all getting involved. Does the drama reflect on me as the teacher? This is a great, this is a really great question even to end with. Sometimes in life, not just education, we tend to, I think, I think there's a tendency to over-personalize things. That we look at how our school is, how our class is, how our lessons are going, and how our marriage is, how our kids were like ended up, and we make it about us. We make it about, did I screw this up? Um, did I, and I'm only talking about this in a negative sense, not did I make it awesome, because I think there's probably a shadow side, or there's definitely a shadow side to that also, but... Are, are you taking the blame for something you have no business taking the blame for? And so um, maybe, right? It's about being real. But like Tony Robbins says, it's it's seeing things as they are, no better and no worse, just for what they are. And so sometimes that takes talking to other people. And that's not all people that are going to give you the, tell you what you want to hear. One of the things I loved about teaching with my friend Cho is that Cho never told me what I wanted to hear. She was 100% like right in my face. And this other guy, uh, Witter, that I used to work with, he was the director of curriculum. Um, he'd call me out on stuff all the time. So he knew when to like pat my back and he knew when to like, uh, I, don't, I don't know the opposite of patting someone's back, punch my stomach. I don't really know what, what that is. But uh, he went, knew when to call me on my stuff. And so I think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, and it's looking for those people that are going to shoot true with you. Um, so I think going forward, it's about really figuring out like, well, look, what can we do with this? Um, what, what can we do? And, and I know I need to know like more about the specific situation, but 
over-personalizing things is a problem. I think the other thing that you can ask to really kind of get to that question is asking yourself, how did we get here? And then being really honest and true about that. So like whether that's the state of your school, the state of your class, the state of your marriage, the state of your relationship with your children, or the fact that your dog tries to eat the mailman every day, um, which is a true story, but uh, it's trying to figure out in a real way, how did we get here? And then see if you're a part of that equation, right? We can't control other people. We can't even control students, right? That's why, you know, this idea of classroom management is so aggravating to me sometimes because it's really what you're trying to do is just facilitate. Um, we're not like, we're, kids aren't robots. They're not puppets. They're not going to do exactly what we do. We can try our best to sort of like finesse the situation, to facilitate the situation, but ultimately it's up to students and staff how things are going to run. Um we can play a part in that, but I don't know that's ultimately just our responsibility. And, and certainly if there's that many people involved, there's, there's a lot more aspects there than, uh, than, than just you. So I think it's like, look, standing back and looking at that too. Good. Cool. Look, gang, before we get out of here, I really want to just let you know that, um, if you're not a part of our Facebook group community, you really should be. It is just a place where it's just educators talking about education and people that want to be in education, right? Folks that are working their way there. It is, we're never trying to sell you anything. There's no, like, no one's allowed to post anything about stuff that they sell or stuff that they created. Um, unless it's like, you, you know, like, so there's no like businesses in there trying to pitch you that, and there never will be. Uh, so that is one of the things. And then look, if you don't follow us on social media, um, today we're live on Twitter and I have a problem with Twitter largely, but I, I'm trying to put my differences aside. Twitter. And get out there and be tweeting. So, um, get, you know, we exist there too. And if there's ever anything else you need, please, you can just go right to our website, realrapwithreynolds.com, and I'd be happy to do it. Um, is this the giveaway I'm talking about? So, um, I will say one organization I'm working with right now is uh, Hope and Wade Kings, Get Your Teach On. And so, Get Your Teach On is having a giveaway um, where they're giving away five tickets. Uh, and all you have to do is if you just, we'll put the link, I'll tag it and the, I'll just go to their Instagram. There's a thing. Yeah. Get, get, all right. So just go to get your teach on, uh, type it in your Instagram search. It'll pop up and you can get the giveaway tickets. Um, it's going to be Reynolds. sick, dude. So there's going to be great people there. Like the list of people. I'm just like, it's slightly intimidating. Um, and then there's a whole list of people that I would love to they have know. There's a lot of new things going on for Get Your Teach On. They've got, like, um, I think something for principals. They've got something for special yeah. ed. That yeah, there's Get Your in. Lead On. There's a bunch of other stuff. Well, I like that they brought in the special ed aspect. That one's always my yeah. jam. So that's a whole new yeah. section in there. I think it's going to be great, man. And it's, so that's the end of June. I think it's June yes. 26th to the 30th, 26th, something like that, uh, in Orlando, Florida, at some, like, really nice hotel. So, uh, yeah. Your boy will be there in uh, all of my glorious uh, paleness on in Florida. Look, looking like some scotch tape. That's what I look like this like time Jasper. of year. I look, I, I look more like, like a, like the old guy, the dad from uh, Twilight. That's what I look like now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get a moon burn. If we go outside. All right. Anyway, gang, we will be back next week. Bring a friend if, and, and don't forget to like this because it helps the algorithm and then it gets out to more teachers and all that stuff. But uh, you already know that. Have a great week, everybody. Peace. Peace.